0: And I want to talk to you, talk to you about uh, the first Christmas had some unique things. I uh, sat down a couple of weeks ago and I started writing down as I looked at the Christmas story. And I said fresh uh, ideas about Christmas, fresh things to learn about and to, uh, to enjoy myself. And as I enjoy it, I'll pass it on to you. And one of the things that really just grabbed my attention was the piece that the angels wished for the world, and I called it the Peace of Christmas, experiencing the Peace of Christmas. Luke chapter 2, verse 14, if you'll start in verse 13, it says this, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So when when we think of, of Christmas, we kind of have a lot of uh, anxiety. We have a lot of worries. Uh, there's, you know, some people don't like Christmas, and it's because they don't know. I mean, that first Christmas, there's nothing. There, there's everything to like about the first Christmas, and so it'd be nice and very important for us to have that same spirit that was then in our homes. Now, by way of introduction, the angels had a wish, and that was for peace on earth. And I gotta ask you, what would that peace look like? What would it feel like to have real peace here on earth? People believed at the end of the 1800s, at the turn of the century, the turn of the century a year, a uh, hundred years ago, that a great time of peace and prosperity was on its way in the world. And then World War I broke out in, in, um, uh, uh, in Europe. And it really was known as World War I because of the Japanese and in, in the, uh, uh, the, the Sino-Japanese uh, War with China and Japan and, and uh, Russia and then in Europe, Germany. World War I broke out and, hundred and, and millions and millions of people died. People thought that once that war was done, it was the war to end all wars. And again, they thought peace would happen and then the Great Depression occurred. And then after 22 years of World War I came World War II right on the heels of... The war to end all wars. After World War II, the United Nations tried to um, um, uh, try to uh, offer hope to the world and said, "We will unify all the nations together. We will talk out our problems. We won't have war anymore." And guess what? Uh, since 1948, when or 1948 1945, when uh, the United Nations was formed, there have been more wars in those last um, uh, in the last seventy years than there were in the previous 500. So, the United Nations has sort of failed in bringing peace to Earth. And the truth is, peace hasn't happened on Earth yet. But it does happen on an individual basis, in an individual's heart and in her mind, those who follow Jesus, because that's what Christmas is supposed to produce, not the stress of Xmas, not the stress of our world. Probably you've worked on this before, and you've struggled to and striven to make sure that your Christmas is peaceful, and is a time when there's, there's, there's a different spirit in your home than the spirit of the world. But it's a good reminder for us to just look at that wish and go, I wonder what it would look like. So, let's pray, and then we'll get into this study. I'll probably just get half of it done tonight, and we'll look at just the last part of it next week. Father, we bow before you. Needing, um, or to be encouraged, that the peace is worth fighting for. Not that we fight one another, but we fight against the uh, the spirit of our age, that tears against and 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 pulls against our um, our minds and our hearts. And you would like to. Prop up peace. You would like to fill your people, especially, with a peace that passes all understanding. It is a shame that the world can't see a bunch of people that have peace, like Christians have, simply because we're not enjoying and experiencing that peace. We've kind of bought the peace of the world when we ought to have the peace of that first Christmas. So tonight, Lord, as your people, we gather together and ask you to change some things around, give us a better understanding of what. We need to do to have peace ruling in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. What is peace? If I asked you, how would you define peace? It's a big, it's a big thought, it's a big meaning. If I, if I asked you another question, it says, why is it so elusive? Why do so few people have peace and hold on to it? Why are so many people having such so a hard time sleeping at night? Especially Christians. Very important to have answers to these questions what peace is, how come it's just so hard to understand and to have, because there are many false promises of peace. Go into Isaiah 48 now. Isaiah 48. We got some Bible study to do. Isaiah 48 and verse 22. There are so many false promises of peace, and pitter, people flitter after it, they, they run after a, a false kind of peace. In Isaiah forty-eight twenty-two says this. It says, "There is no peace," saith the Lord unto the wicked. So, guess what the world offers when people can't find peace? What does the world offer? Alcohol, prescription drugs, counselors out the wazoo, because they they, they people want to help. But there's no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. Jeremiah chapter 8, you're in Isaiah, go to the right, find Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 15. We looked for peace, but no good came. And for a time of health, and behold, what did they receive? What did they find? Trouble. You know, uh, there are many false promises go to 6. I have the wrong place. I should be in 6.14. Sorry. uh, Jeremiah 6 in verse 14. Speaking of the false prophets, false religion, and there are a lot of people who go to church because they get a bit of a salve to their conscience, but uh, 6.14 says, They, the false prophets, the false teachers, have healed also the heart of the daughter of my people slightly. Saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. Uh, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In verse 2, there's coming someone into the world, he may already be here, who is going to promise peace. Because isn't that what the world's looking for? I mean, they just want to get along, they just want to. Hey, you live your life. Let me live my life. Let's just leave each other alone. Everybody wants to have a kind of peace, but First Thessalonians chapter five and verse two says, "For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night, when you least expect it. For when they shall say peace and safety, when they promise that, then cometh then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape." So there are very uh, there are a lot of false promises of peace. But here's the worst part, all right? I mean, there are a lot of false promises, but it is possible for people to never experience peace, and that is scary. Why can't people experience peace? Well, because they're ignorant of the way of peace. Go back to Isaiah now. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 8. People are ignorant of the way of peace. They may experience it from time to time, but they don't know how to experience it as a way of life, like Jesus did. Isaiah 59, verse 8, the first part says the way of peace they know not. Why does he call it the way of peace? Because it's not an experience. Peace is not a, uh, like a shower. It's not like a, a meal. Peace is a way of life. Peace is a way of thinking. It's a way of living in the way of peace they have not known. Jeremiah chapter 8 now. I, quoted, I read it there a moment ago, but it was the wrong time to do it. Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 15. And I don't doubt that every person growing up expresses this verse without actually knowing that it comes from the Bible. We looked for peace. We want it, but no good came. We look for a time of health, and behold, all we got was trouble. Go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. Romans 3 and verse 10 tells you about the unsaved. It says this, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Jump down and it lists a lot of characteristics of the ungodly. Verse 17 Says this, and the way of peace have they not known. Now you'll never find peace outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says you must be born again. Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, I'm going to come back to this verse in a few minutes because it is a very, very important Luke 19 and verse 41 understanding of. How peace comes. Luke 19.41, Jesus has come into Jerusalem on his final trip to the cross. And in Luke 19.41, when he was come near, he beheld this city and he wept over it. Verse 42, saying, if thou, speaking to all those Jews who were busy on that Passover week, he says, if thou, you people, had known even thou at least this thy day if you had known this day the things which belong unto your what unto thy peace but now they are hid from thine eyes so what was what was going on was the prince of peace had come to jerusalem and they didn't realize it he said if you had only if you only realized who it was that was in your midst you would have realized that peace had finally come remember jesus is sitting at the side of a well, and a woman comes up to it from Samaria, and she's shocked that he says, Would you give me a drink? And she says, Why would you ask me a drink? I'm a Samaritan. And he said, If you only knew who it is that's talking to you, you would ask of me, and I would give you living water. If she didn't know who he was, but when she found out who he was, she took a drink, didn't she? And she, and, and, and the problem is most people, they come to church, and they, they, they learn about Jesus, but they never know him, and they never experience that they never uh, find out that by knowing Him, they can experience peace. So don't miss the peace that that first Christmas bought. That's the goal. So let's talk about the meaning of peace. When we talk about peace, we're talking about rest. Somebody being at rest. It's the ability to rest. It's a quietness of mind, calmness, quiet of conscience. It's not like a, a fear of I'm going to be caught. Or uh, this thing's going to go bad, or whatever. Luke chapter two. Go to Luke chapter two in verse sixteen. And um, now Luke chapter two has got uh, Mary and Joseph, and they're they're in an inn. They're in the back of it. Inn. They're in a, a barn there. And all of a sudden, shepherds come running in. Okay. Stress point number one. Okay. I don't know if if you'd be uh, just after having a baby. All right. You'd want to be alone. But then in comes all of these shepherds, and they want to see this baby, and Mary's kind of embarrassed. Joseph is standing up there trying to, do I need to protect this, my, my family there? The shepherds come in, and the shepherds, uh, when they leave, they go and tell the whole village of Bethlehem, and all of a sudden, the villagers start coming in. It's a stressful thing, but look at your Bible, verse 16, 2-16. And they, the shepherds, came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered of those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them where. All right, so she's not panicking. She's not worried about her hair. She's not worried about, I wonder if I look presentable. I don't know. Listen, why don't you prop up all of the hay? No, no, no. She sat there and went, wow, this is going to be one crazy life watching that baby grow up. She was at rest. Um, Peace is the opposite of confusion and panic and anxiety. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Now that ought to convict us, because if all the churches of the saints in the first century had a peace about them, so should we. It ought to be something where people come in, they ought to experience the love of God, they ought to experience the peace of God, amongst the believers. Jesus, as I said this morning, was in a boat, and when that boat was going across the Sea of Galilee, and the storm came, and the boat was sinking, and the men were panicking, what was Jesus doing? Snoring up a storm. He was sleeping. Peter's been captured. He has been put in chains. He is being held by four quadrinions. 16 soldiers were guarding him. He was in a prison. And what was he doing in that prison? The night before he was supposed to be executed, what was Peter doing? Sleeping. You know when Paul was stoned outside of Iconium? There, they picked up uh, just uh, they. He had been preaching. They rejected him. They they caught him. They dragged him out of the city, threw him on a hill, and then began to pelt him with stones. They thought they killed him. You know what he did when he woke up? He calmly went back into that city. <laughs> There's a peace that is at rest no matter what your circumstances is. It is also freedom. It is the ability to be free from fear, from terror, from anger, from anxiety. It is free from being agitated. Peace is the freedom from war, from quarrels, from disturbances. Show you some scripture here. Isaiah fifty-two, Isaiah fifty-two, in verse seven. Isaiah fifty-two in verse seven. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good news, good tidings that publisheth what peace, that publishes peace, that bringeth. Bringeth good tidings of good that publishes salvation that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Now go to Nahum. Nahum, you're almost to the end of the Old Testament. A little book called Nahum. Chapter 1. A couple of hundred years later. Even a hundred years after Jonah. Jonah, Micah, Nahum. Nahum comes along. And Capernaum is named after Nahum. Capernaum is where Nahum had uh, grown up, and he was such a famous prophet, they named the town after him. Nahum chapter 1 and verse 15, Behold upon the mountains the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth what? Peace. So, a couple of hundred years after Isaiah, the prophets still say, we need somebody to come and preach peace. Now we go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Why? 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 Why talk about peace? Why preach it? Why proclaim it? Because... People uh, find that that peace means freedom, freedom from war. The Israel has known nothing but war. Jerusalem is called the city of what? Peace. That's what Jerusalem means. But you know what's funny? It's never known peace, but for little bitty spurts of time, the rest of the time it has been in war. And that's why the Bible says pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Um, Because... To be free from constant conflict, to be free from oppression and from attack, it's freedom. It also is one focus. When you when you are when you have peace is because your mind is on something and your heart is on something that is bigger than your circumstance. Um, the ability to focus your attention on something that is strong and mighty and right in the midst of confusion, discouragement, and defeat. That's why Hebrews chapter 12 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, one more point about peace. It is available now, not later. Uh, you you ought you to realize that peace is available to have as a way of life from the moment that you decide you're going to live in it. So I'm going to try to talk about that tonight and then next week. So simplified, peace is the quietness of mind and heart that is free from fear and terror, and anger, and anxiety, no matter the amount of confusion, discouragement, or defeat. Now, that sounds like a tall order, but it's because not of our strength, not of our ability, not of our intelligence, but because we trust somebody who's bigger than our problem. So, let's talk about the peace of the first Christmas. What peace is not, okay? Peace is not, you know, a... Uh, 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 peace with your enemies, all right? If I just didn't have any enemies, I'd be, I'd be happy. That's, that's not where peace is. Peace is not having perfect circumstances around you. You know, we panic, we try to make everything just right, and we think, if I just get everything right, I'll be able to rest. No, you'll always find something that's not quite right. It's not the circumstances around you that make for peace, and it's also not the result of some great ability you have come to strongly believe that you have to have before you can be at rest what i mean by that is sometimes you think if only i could speak better if only i had better looks if only i had more money i could be at peace and peace is not what you convince yourself you have to have before you can be at rest peace is what god will give you when you have nothing and you still can rest and this is the most important part peace is not what the world has whatever peace The world seems to think it has is not what God offers. Jesus said, My peace give I unto you. Not as what? Not as the world gives. So there is a peace that the world thinks it can provide. And so whatever you're struggling with, whatever peace you want, make sure you don't settle for what the world offers. Two pieces, two things. Go to Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Romans 5 and verse 1. Romans 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. What's the next word? It's a preposition. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Go down to verse 10. Verse 10 says this, For if when we were enemies, who are we enemies of? We were enemies of God. I mean, that means... I'm not at peace with God. Before I got saved, His wrath was against me. I'm His enemy. I'm like, I'm like an infection in a surgery, and it has to be removed. The Bible says when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. So the first thing that peace is, it is peace with God. The most important peace you need to have is being at peace with God. Uh, you know, when a person gets adopted into God's family, God does have to chasten you. But He chastens you no longer as a sinner. How does He chasten you? How does He deal with us? As sons, as His children. So, the wrath is gone. The, the warfare is gone between me and God. And yes, I get in trouble. Yes, um, I reap what I sow, but I do it as as a father chastens his son. The most important uh, thing to focus on, to have peace, is not peace with anybody else, but first, peace with God. Proverbs sixteen seven says, When a man's ways please the Lord, what does God do for you? He maketh even his enemies to be at peace. So don't worry about making peace with people until you've made peace with God. Secondly, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. So it is peace with God. Anybody want to tell me what the next half is? Is the peace of God? Look at Philippians four six and verse seven says, "Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds." What does it mean to keep your hearts and minds? You know, when we say keep something, we mean hold on to it. But keep there has, has a, a bigger meaning. How many of you ever been to a, a castle and they called something a keep? What's a keep? Anybody know? It's right. It's the safest place. It's, it could be the most uh, well-defensed and where does God put our hearts and our minds? He will keep, He will protect. We can use the word will protect, will guard, will defend our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. Go to Colossians 3. Next book over Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14. Colossians 3 14 and 15. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. It's the perfect bond in a church and in a home. Charity, verse fifteen, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which also you are called in one body, and be ye also be ye thankful. So the peace of God is is um, uh, goes along with the peace. Uh, the peace of God goes along with peace with God. But it's in that order. People may come to church and they're looking for peace. Some people, they'll go to the Catholic church and they'll go there and they'll pray and they'll light a candle and they'll walk out just as just as dark, just as grieved as before. They're looking for an experience of peace, but they don't know how to make peace with God. I'm afraid some people come into this church and do the same. They've never been born again. And so they're wondering, they're waiting for an experience. They're waiting for a calmness. And they may have a loose sense of it, but it doesn't actually happen until you make peace with God. So peace, let me say some statements here that should blow your mind. Peace belongs to Israel. Luke chapter 19, we just read this. And there's a shameful theology going about today that says that God is all through with the Jews and that Israel is not part of God's plan. But the whole reason why Jesus came was to save his people from their sins. Does it not say that? That's the meaning of his name. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And then when you come to Luke chapter 19, we just read this, but I want you to see that peace belongs to Israel. 1942, verse 41 says, And when he was come near, he beheld the city, Jesus did, and he wept over it. Was Jesus angry at Israel at that point? Was he ready to judge Israel at that point? No, he's weeping over Israel. He's not looking out at the Gentiles who would get saved, because they were. But he wasn't looking at, at, at all the people in the future. He was looking at that people right there, who within a few days were going to turn around and cry, crucify him. By the way, the very ones who cried out, crucify him. The very ones who picked up the nails and drove them into his hands. The very ones who spit upon him. Jesus cried out on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. So don't you tell me that God's all through with the Jews and that the Jews are not in God's plan, only us, us Gentiles are. Not at all. Peace belongs to Israel. Verse 42, and Jesus said, if thou hadst known, if you just knew what was happening, even thou, at least in this thy day, this is your day. The things which belong unto thy peace. Jesus said, everything that's happening is for Israel's peace. But now they are hid from thine eyes. That's why we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, because peace first belongs to Israel. Now to the Jew first, and thankfully also to the Irish. Also to the Gentiles. Peace belongs to Israel. Secondly, peace belongs to all believers. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14. Ephesians 2.14. For he, Jesus, is our peace, who hath made both, Jew and Gentile, he's made us both one now, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the warfare. He abolished even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain, One man now, neither Jew nor Gentile, but Christian, and so making what? Peace. So peace belongs now to all believers. Go to Romans. Go back and find Romans chapter 1. Romans 1 and verse 7. Romans 1, 7 says, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you, and... Peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 14. Romans 14 and verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Boy, I wish we could tell everybody that at their Christmas parties. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. There ought to be no one in this room. There ought to be no one who are not living in the peace of God that passes all understanding. You ought to enjoy it. You ought to be living in it, I'm not struggling to find it. But it has some requirements before it is enjoyed. And, and one thing that the place where peace matters most, the place that peace matters most, you know where it is? The heart and the mind. We read that. It says, the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds. Maybe not your bodies. Maybe not your health. Maybe not your job. Maybe not your neighborhood. God says peace must reign not in your circumstances, not in your wallet, but in the heart and the mind of the believer. Every heart needs something bigger than its fears or else you're going you're to collapse. The mind... Your understanding of life's circumstances has to be overruled by a greater power. That's why we trust. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine, what? Heart. Lean not on thine own understanding, heart and mind. In all thy ways, just honor Him, just obey Him, just trust Him, and He will direct thy paths. So peace, I'll just get started on this. Peace is a result of about seven or eight things. Number one, it is a result of believing the gospel. Romans 10, 15 says, How shall they preach except they be sent? As is this written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. You know, if you just believe the gospel, there's a resulting peace. If somebody just prays a prayer, if somebody just comes to church and says, Yeah, I agree. And if there's not a peace that comes... I don't know, did you get saved? I don't know. I know that this is this is not just a gospel of justification where God records your salvation, but it's the gospel of peace that brings peace into my life. So believe the gospel, and you can start to experience peace. Romans 5.1 tells us that, um, uh, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I'll tell you this, One of the signs that you're saved is there's a joy there. There's a change in your attitude because a peace is coming to your heart. You need to get born again. John chapter 16 tells you that we need to hear and believe the words of God. Uh, John chapter 16 and verse 33. Watch these first words. Jesus says, These things have I spoken unto you. What we read in our Bible. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have what? Now you can't know anything about Jesus Christ without the word of God, without the Bible. And God, Jesus, had these things written so that you could believe them and experience peace. Keep going there. In the world, Ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Second uh um, first, first Thessalonians chapter two. First Thessalonians chapter two. First Thessalonians chapter two verse thirteen. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the words, word of men, but as it is in truth, you received it as the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So the Bible works in you, and it brings peace. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy... I know I just don't love it like a pillow. I love what it says. I love what it tells me to do. I love what it tells me is ahead, and I love Thy law and great, and nothing shall offend them. So, the, if you're going to have peace, you've got to spend time in the Bible. Uh, I'm going to brag on on um, um, uh, somebody, um, Gavin here. I couldn't. I'm trying my brain is ahead, I'm trying to go backwards now. Gavin, there. I'm trying to decide between two of it. Gavin is just about to finish the entire Bible, reading through the entire Bible. Isn't that true? That's awesome. He's in Revelation. So, um, do you know what? There is a peace that comes just by reading your Bible. It just just happens and believing it. Third thing, I want to say, uh, fourth thing, sorry, stay close to Jesus. I'll say this in one more point and we will be done tonight. Acts 27 Uh, Stay close to Jesus. We sometimes think it's embarrassing to be a fanatic, a Christian fanatic, but let me tell you, if you want great peace, become a fanatic kind of Christian. Acts 27, verse 20. Don't let your Christian walk cool off. If you were more excited about church, if you were more excited about your Bible, if you were more excited about about just being, in, being in, 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 in the service of the king. If you just loved God and loved serving God, and you're not now, you should repent. And you said, God, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Get me back on fire again. Because I guarantee you, you're not happy. You may be going through life thinking it's okay, but you know you're not happy, and the people around you know you're not happy. So don't let your spiritual walk cool off. Be afraid of loving the world. One of the commandments to the Christian is, Love not the world, neither the things of the world. For all that is of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So be careful, be very, very, very fearful of loving the things of this world. Do you know what, And, and Tony said it last week, it was really, it was really great. When we were talking about what are the aspects of the angels that we ought to emulate, one of them is they spend a lot of time in the presence of God. And we should do the same. Uh, I want to show you something here. In Acts chapter 27 and verse 20, 27-20, When neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, where, where, uh, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Somebody tell me what's going on in this verse. What's happening? Paul? No, this is the Acts. He's being carried to Rome in chains. And if the ship goes down, he's going down with it. And, he, and look at what he says. This is Luke writing. Luke is not exaggerating. He's a doctor. And he's writing down, and he says, all hope that we should be saved was taken away there is no pier, there's no ship coming alongside them, the storm is ladling up, the ship is sinking, and and Luke in his journal writes, we're going to (laughs) die. Verse 21, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, (laughs) you should have hearkened unto me and not loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. Now I exhort you, to be of good cheer to be excited, for there shall no loss of any one any man's life um, uh, be uh, be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship, for there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and who I serve. I want you to notice the words by me, who was Paul spending time with while all the other prisoners were crying and and, and, and panicking, and Luke is writing his, his last will and testament, saying, we're all going to die. Who is Paul talking to? Who is Paul listening to? Who is Paul spending time with? Look at it. There stood by me, this night, the appearance, the angel of God, whose I am and whose I serve, and he was saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. You're going all the way to Rome. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Your lack of faith only testifies to two things. One, your ignorance of the scriptures and your lack of time with Jesus. He brings great peace. Stay close to Jesus. Why? Not because peace comes from Jesus. Go back to Luke 24, Luke 24, at the resurrection, Luke 24, the tomb is empty. A couple of the women have come back and saying they can't find the body. Mary, has, Mary Magdalene has seen Jesus, um, but they're not believing it. But as soon as Luke 23 and verse 36... Is that right? Uh, Twenty. I'm sorry. Uh, Twenty-four, thirty-six. Twenty-four, thirty-six. And as they thus spake, within uh, and the, and as they thus spake, Jesus Himself appears in the midst of them. Stood in the midst of them, and He said to them, "Peace be unto you." He had a way of just bringing peace. John 14. Go to the right. Find John 14:27. John 14:27. The more time you spend with the Lord Jesus, the more peace you can have. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 20 now, Gospel of John chapter 20, in verse 19. John twenty nineteen, and the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be unto you. Go on to verse twenty one. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you, as my father has sent me, even so send I you. Verse twenty six. Verse 26, and after eight days, eight days later after the resurrection, again his disciples were within, and now this time Thomas is with them. And then came Jesus, and the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. You know, um, whenever you go into the time of prayer, whenever you just bow your head in prayer, just go ahead and start believing. The Lord is saying, I'll give you peace. Peace be to you, Craig. Peace be to you. Because it comes from Jesus. All right, we're going to stop on that, but I ask you to take your hymnal and stand there for a moment. We'll finish those last ones next week, and I'll talk to you about the responsibility. Verse four, uh, cha- uh, hymn number 478, and probably I don't remember ever singing this hymn, but we're going to try.